Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Happy Thursday. Today is November 12th, 2015. I'm Michelle Pache, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Rice. We warmly welcome you to the show and thank you for choosing to be with us. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. We encourage you to call in with your comments and questions, allowing you to strengthen your practice. So press 1 and then we'll put you into queue to talk with our host. So now let's welcome Michael in support of developing our inner process of Aramaic Forgiveness. Well, thank you, young lady, for that welcome and being available. We are driving down the highway as we speak. Jeannie's behind the wheel. We got our car all leveled up yesterday, and the trailer isn't dragging anymore, and we're just rocking along about four hours outside of Atlanta. We're probably going to actually stop in Atlanta or a little south of Atlanta tonight and, and finish our drive into Ellington, Florida tomorrow. So we're honored that you're here to share with us, and I'm going to uh, try something I've not tried before. Uh, on the show, and uh, we, we just spent a night with a, a friend of ours that uh, we lovingly refer to as the Singing Dentist. Some of you have been at Heartland years ago, and uh, Joel Goldstein was the uh, the music director there, and he wrote a song entitled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? So we've got it queued up, if I've got it all set up properly, on the car stereo here, and I'm going to play this song for you, and I'm going to listen to... Uh, invite you to listen carefully because the direction we're going to go with the show today is words and just kind of listen to the words that Joel offers here and uh and look at the power of our words so give it to you. I'm going to give that a start and uh, see how it works your mother's face I realize that this is it. 
I thought my money trip was finally handled. Nothing could go wrong. Everything I touched turned into gold. I was on top of every situation, moving right along. Now here I sit so deep in death. This song is getting old. Why is this happening to me again? Life never really seems to change one bit. Why is this happening to me again? When will I realize that this is it? Thought my kids were perfect. They were turning out just how I planned. Happy, healthy, telling me I'm great. Then they went to college, did some workshops, read the latest books, and now I can't do nothing. Why is this happening to me again? Life never really seems to change one bit. Why is this happening to me again? When will I realize that this is it? I've searched and asked and after many years of wandering this I've found reality is only what I say. It isn't them or life or any other thing that limits me and all I need is to forgive love will show the way. Why is this happening to me again? Life never really seems to change one bit. Why is this happening to me again? When will I realize that this is it? Why is this happening to me again? Life never really seems to change one bit. Why is this happening to me again? When will I realize that this is it? Why is this happening to me again? Well, as you might be able to tell by that country beat, we just left Nashville, and I spent a little time with Joel and his wife, Betty. They used to live at Heartland when their kids and our kids were small. It's kind of fun to see how it all unfolds, and Joel is living in Nashville or near Nashville now, and the singing dentist has a whole portfolio of songs. But this one he wrote back about probably 25 or 26 years ago when he was at Heartland. And you hear that line that says, reality is only what I say. And few people have any cognitive awareness of just what their words bring about in their lives and what they do with their words and the energies and the frequencies behind their words. You know, it's very common to sit in a restaurant, you know, tongue-in-cheek, I'll ask the question oftentimes in a workshop, how many have ever been in an organ recital? A number of people thinking about the musical instrument put their hands up. Just, yeah, you know where a number of people get together to talk about who's had the latest organ removed and who's having the next organ removed, and mine was the worst the doctor had ever seen. And people language the terrors and traumas that they will be visited with, and they will be visited with them because they were languaged. And 
it's a principle that's been lost to antiquity. And so starting to watch our words, listen to how often people say things like, oh, that just kills me, or they're a pain in the neck, or a pain in other parts of the anatomy. And we have no idea what we're creating as we do that. I posted on my Facebook page a few days ago, and if you're not connected with me on Facebook, you could send us a friend request. It's JM underscore RYCE. But I posted uh, an Aramaic word that, you know, has been twisted. And it's interesting how things that are meaningful and true get hidden by twisting their meaning. You know, Vladimir Lenin says, if you want to destroy a culture's words, or pardon me, destroy a culture, all you have to do is change the meaning of its words. So the word I'd like to share with you is one that's, put forward in our culture as some kind of a magical incantation, incantation, and it's the word abracadabra, like something to do with magic. But in fact, it's an Aramaic phrase, and the pronunciation abracadabra means quite literally, I will create as I speak big insight and you listen to how often people speak about what they're terrified of what they're traumatized over what they hate what they fear and their whole conversation is faced in that based in that and they wonder why it keeps happening to them again and when confronted with their destructive language it's amazing how many people will just fly right into a fit of rage. Oh, well, that doesn't mean anything. That's silly. It's like, well, okay, believe it or not, but here's what I offer you. Take a look at where your life is today, and you're looking at where your language was six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. You're looking in your life at where your words were in the past. If you want to change where your life is going Find a new verbal environment. You know, one of the reasons for doing this show five days a week, an hour a day, is to give people access to a verbal environment that does not tell the lies of the culture, but straightens out the lies of the culture. And that is, gets people to the truth of what's going on and how it works. You can't hang out in the same old crowd of victims and terrorizers and traumatizers and traumatized engage in their language and expect to live a different life just isn't going to happen and the reason for that is because and and this is probably the biggest atrocity done to mankind down through the ages and we've bought into it we've had hidden from us the fact that we are by nature creators abracadabra speak it you just created it You set it into this frequency system. Now, this doesn't make sense if you think you live in a material world. Listen to yesterday's show where we talked about the fact that we live in an energetic world. And the thing that sets up the energy system to move in certain directions is the words that cause the energy in the system to flow in those directions. And if I come from a thousand generation of victims, then I have lots of unconscious victim speech 
in my language and in my emotional structure. And it's not easy to step away from those sorts of things. And it, it is a powerful thing to have a community around you of people who are conscious of what language does and support you in recognizing language that's about creating something you'd rather not have and getting back on track with your language. And so you'll notice that oftentimes I'll be processing with somebody in the show and stop the mid-sentence. They're like, well, well, why are you interrupting me? I'm interrupting you because I'd like to support you knowing what you're creating and the lies you're telling yourself rather than go along with your lies. We'll hear people, hear people on the show all the time that call and say, yeah, well, you know, a friend of mine, Charlie, he just made me so mad. My wife makes me, my husband makes me so angry. Stop. Your husband, your wife, has never made you angry ever, 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 ever. It's a lie you tell yourself. If you're angry in a situation, you're angry because there's anger in you. It doesn't have to do with your mind's fantasized explanation of why it's happening. It has to do with the contents of your own mind. So if you have lots of angry words in your story, there's an interesting passage, I believe it was in the book of uh, uh, Thomas, one that didn't uh, didn't get canonized in the old in the New Testament, and you know the Pharisees are picking on Yeshua. They're kind of down on him, and and the disciples say, "Well, why don't you talk to him? Why don't you give him back some of their own medicine?" And Yeshua says, "I have none of that in my store. I don't have it in me. Therefore, I can't create it. If you're facing it and it's happening in your world." then it is because you have created it, creator. And if you are an unconscious creator, then all kinds of things come in to bite you in the butt, and you wonder why it's happening to you again. Become conscious of your language. Forgive the patterns of energy that cause victim language. Excuse me. <coughs> and you get to live in a different world. And we're here to support you living in a different world. One of the core tools for doing that process is the tool of forgiveness. Now, we live in a culture that has a lie about forgiveness. And the lie is, well, you know, somebody else did it to you, and it's terrible of them to, for them to have done it to you, but it's okay, you just be big about it, and you forgive them. We're going to offer that if you think you can forgive anybody for anything, then you've been trapped in a lie, and forgiveness will be of very little use to you. Because you'll run around in the name of forgiveness, pardoning everybody for what's happening inside of you, and thinking that what's happening inside of you is caused by them. It's never happened. It never will happen. No one can cause anything to happen in you that is already in you. And so forgiveness is about how, if I find myself in pain or terror or trauma, how I go inside myself and remove that pain or terror and trauma at its root. So to forgive is to remove from my structure. It is not to let someone else off the hook because that's in my structure and I've created it in my life again and again and again. So that's what we're here to understand. And if you have not yet accessed the forgiveness technology, 
we invite you to go to our website, www.whyagain.org. You scroll down the page a little bit, you'll see a bullseye in the middle of the page. That bullseye will give you access to a whole series of links on how to engage in this hidden ancient technology, which we are working to bring back to common knowledge, how to step into the forgiveness process, remove what never belonged, and really, truly live as a human being. When you do that, you will no longer live in Joel's song or the title of my book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? You will create a new. And so we're appreciative of the fact that you're here to share this space with us and these tools with us. We invite you to pass it along, share it with someone else, until we get to the point where these tools are available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet, and we get to truly function together as actual human beings. So once again, and we're just driving down the interstate here on I-65, and there are these absolutely beautiful, bright green. I mean, it looks like spring green. It must be a cover crop. It's absolutely gorgeous, this carpet of bright, beautiful green. In any event, we're glad you're here. And uh, Michelle, is Dr. Tim with us? Yes, Michael, Dr. Tim's here. Well, let's say hello to the young man. How are you, sir? I'm I'm doing well. I'm delightful and charming and blessed and highly favored and all of those other fabulous descriptors of my life. You are so charming, Tim. Thank you. <clears throat> and, Michael, uh, you took the words out of my mind. And and, and Say it again? my thought is she said you took the words right out of her mind. <laughs> my, my thought is the audience has heard enough from Dr. Tim for the week why don't we see if there's callers or people in the chat room and see what we can get going because there's been a lot of stimulating conversation that hasn't really had a chance to have uh, audience input because of all day Tuesday and part of yesterday so that's my thought Michelle? Well, you know, I thought it was a great idea, and the person, area code 930, who had their hand up since the beginning of the show, just dropped off. So please call back. We had a. 930, we lost you. If you want to put your hand up again, we'll be able to chat. We'd love to hear from you. Go ahead, Tim. Well, we had a, a question um, near the end of the show on Tuesday that had to do with, um, and correct me if I'm misstating this, Michelle, but you and Rex had had some four hours together, and there was some kind of a question about somebody that Rex knows who was very diligent in their work for a lot of, a lot of time, and and yet they just seemed to have the same issue coming up over and over again. And, um, you know, maybe you can address that concept, Michael, or or maybe, Michelle, you can flesh that out a bit 
No, I, I actually, Tim, I, I would love to because um, you're right. It's been very stimulating, and it started on Tuesday, and we talked more. Well, it started on Monday, right? And then talked about it at Mind Shifter Support Group on Tuesday night, and then yesterday afternoon I called in and clarified the question another further because then it kind of overlaps with feeling the energy move. And someone called with a hand up. So, what would be your preference? Shall we take the caller? Well, since this topic came from callers, let's let's process this. Uh, get Michael's take on it. Yes, sounds okay. like a good idea. Let's let's go with that topic. And of course, it's uh, it's the whole topic of the work. Why is this happening to me again? And it really doesn't matter if you want to wade through the whole thing. Why is something happening in my life ever at all? Because it's in me to happen. Why am I experiencing this perceptual reality that's so painful? Because the energy that structures that painful reality is inside of me. And so it's the application of forgiveness that allows removal. And if I come from a bloodline, for instance, where that particular traumatic experience has been going on for a generation, I'll start to look at that situation. I'll do a worksheet or two. I'll have a little pain come up. I'll tend to come out the other side. And I'll be finished with that one. And that happens with some issues for some people. And then there'll be people who will have that issue come up today and tomorrow and next month, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. What does that mean? Why would that why is it why aren't they finished with that? My offering would be that it's been going on for so many generations in the bloodline that there is layer by layer by layer. And while we'd all like to be able to take all of the layers, pick them up and throw them off at one time, that would be like the person who's never been in the gym going in and saying, well, I want to lift the 800-pound weight right now. You can't lift an 800-pound weight the first time you go in the gym. It will probably take you years of lifting 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 200 pounds, 300, 400, 500. You might be at 500 pounds for six months before you get to 525. And then for an eight-month period, you might be at 525 before you can get to 550. And it might take you 10 years to get to where you have the strength and the ability to access the resources it takes to pick up and, and snatch 800 pounds and put it over your head. It's a process. And the skills and the abilities needed, my offering is that many people will do surface work, but to start to really go to depth in terms of this process. I had this question the other day, Tim. You had you had mentioned uh, the issue that you were going through and you'd done much work around and had many insights and you had a whole new layer, a whole new piece of it come up after you listened to a show from last year, and I use that as the example because this young man had been involved in the work for a few months, had been doing worksheets, and was really feeling like he was making progress and really getting it, and and then when I spoke about deeper levels, it's like, well, but I just can't imagine how that could happen, and I actually used, he had been listening to the show, Tim, and I, I actually used you as an example. It's like, look at Dr. Tim. He's a trained psychotherapist. 45 years. He's been doing this work for 10 years. 
going to depth, going to depth. And noticed that on the show the other day, he's talking about an issue that he knew about years ago. He's looked at many times, but was able to find and heal a whole new facet of that issue that went back to when the man was 12 years of age. Well, why didn't he get that one done the first time? It's because if you don't have the skills and the ability to decode and to reach into that depth of energetic dynamic inside yourself until you build those skills and abilities. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I oftentimes will use the example of a computer and, you know, if you've got a Mac or an IBM, doesn't matter much. You've got a computer that uh, that has an operating system that's been in development for, you know, 60, maybe 70 years. And the whole operating system is run by geniuses or has been programmed by geniuses. And you'll notice that maybe you've been working with computers, and I'll use myself as an example, for 25 years. And you've spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours and cancel the thought, you get a virus. How many hours do you anticipate in order to take this system designed by geniuses, clean out a virus and get it back to full function? I think the average person who's fairly savvy with computers would say, I might spend anywhere from two to five or six hours, maybe longer, getting that computer with that particular glitch, that energetic interference called a virus, to get that out and get back to normal operation. So here we have this very simple operating system called an IBM system or a, uh, a Mac system, developed by geniuses over a few decades. And people think nothing of, oh, well, I'm going to spend a lot of hours to get it back up and running. And yet, the human mind, which is an infinite number of times more complex, been in development for tens of thousands of years, it has had the input of some of the most battered, abused, insane, emotionally traumatized, emotionally traumatizing people that have ever existed on the planet have had input into the code that writes the operating system that you call your mind. And when something comes up, you want it to be done in 10 minutes. It's like, hello, and you never want to have to face it again. Hello, <laughs> not going to happen. It's a process. That's why it's a, it's a commitment. You know, this is not a work for wimps. It's a commitment to really move forward, engage in, and trust the process as you heal. And when you hit a new level of vitality and a new set of skills, all of a sudden you'll find something to work through to heal that you couldn't see before. And that's all just part of the process. And how many hours, days, weeks, months might you put into it? might be a lot. So it's developing a set as you do your work. And that's what we're here to support. Does that kind of get to uh, to that question, Michelle, as to why this person may still be dealing with that issue? Yes, yes. Um, I, I think the, the, my original understanding and general consensus from people who I've um, discussed this with and more of what my personal experience has been and some feedback that I had gotten when I was um, releasing some some grief and sadness 
and then, you know, kind of move through a wave of emotion clearing, allowing um, breathing, tapping, feeling it, and letting it pass through. And then maybe 10 minutes, and, you know, and then feeling more peaceful and connected and relaxed. And then maybe 10 minutes later, um, rebringing up that, the, the same situation, but from a different angle, let's say. And then, boom, back in the sewage again, um, really believing the illusion kind of, um, feeling stuck in that um, uh, sadness again, again another maybe round of breathing and tapping and, and, and allowing that um, emotion to surface and express and feel it, soften, dissolve, all of the things that we do when, when that kind of um, intensity is coming. And so, you know, it, it, it felt like sort of circuitous that it kept coming back like in this short period of a, within a, a couple hours. And the suggestion was that, well, maybe there is an unconscious payoff for not really completely letting go of all that emotion in, you know, the one sort of swoop that kind of like a Course of Miracles idea is the way I'm taking it, like the holy instant, like, you know, boom, you can just like um, crush the illusion. And so it felt like it was maybe that I wasn't doing it right because maybe there was a hidden payoff that I wasn't aware of about the need to be right or, um, you know, going to be a martyr or whatever I'm not right. aware of yet. That's why I kept, like, you know, recycling and, and keep coming back to, like, a sort of a fresh level of pain. In that, yep. in that case, so, so my offering would be... No. So my offering would be that to stand in the space of willingness and allow yourself to access those layers. And most holy instants take years to happen. Yes, there comes a moment where there's a big shift that occurs, but you know, I, I used to actually be in the studio business in uh, Nashville back many, many moons ago before I became engaged full-time in this work. And our studio used to record Willie Nelson. Now, as far as many people are concerned, Willie Nelson is a superstar, He's known everywhere. He's just he's the most awesome voice and singer. And he was this overnight hit. Willie Nelson kicked around the streets of Nashville for 18 years living in his car and playing gigs for nothing before he became an overnight success. So most of those holy instants take a lot of groundwork, just like the person who gets up, yes, to win the world weightlifting championship takes a minute and a half and 30 years. So, and yes, there could be factors like, you know, the, the, the payoffs and that sort of thing. Why am I holding on? And I can allow myself to peel through the layers as they need to. And, you know, these layers are interconnected and you breathe and you allow those layers to come. And there will be times when you'll be in a sensitive period where you will have the blessing of being able to access layer after layer after layer after layer. And then there are other times where it will seem like you have to struggle to get a layer to come up or to get to the other side of it. And that's all just part of the process. So, um, I mean, I've got two callers now with the hand up. Um, well, let's say hello. Okay. 
So let's go first here with area code 910. You're on the air. Who do we have and where are you calling from? Hi, I'm Patricia, North Carolina. And hey there, young can lady. You hear Welcome. Me? Thank you. Loud and clear. Oh, good. Thank you very much for this wonderful work. Um, I'm sorry I'm tearing up, but it's just so much gratitude coming up. Um, the uh, I was calling out for help over the weekend and called the Course of Miracles in, in California and said, are there any groups near me, which there weren't, but I got numbers to ask if I could sit in by radio because my computer was down, phone's down, and because um, uh, my world is reflecting exactly uh, how down I was and am, was, rather. And um, I uh, got four numbers to call and kept hearing my inner voice telling me to call Wilmington, and I called Susan Darnell in Wilmington. Darnell, awesome. Yes. Yes, and that's exactly what happened. Everything exploded, and she happened to, uh, and then she called me the next day, and we had a long, wonderful talk, and the uh, she happened to mention that she was uh, having, teaching a course on Monday night on forgiveness, and Tuesday there was a free course, and Wednesday there was, and I was like, whoa. And I had no idea what it was, but I said, uh, can I come to your free course by phone Tuesday? And she said yes. And while we were on the phone in the initial calls, your book arrived in the mail, and she said, I know this is supposed to come to you, so she immediately put it in the mail as she's talking to me. And um, I, she let me know about your program, so I tuned in Monday, and um, I got to hear a magnificent Michelle share her story and I was sitting here you know completely relating because you know when I'd work with clients and stuff they'd all have supposedly these you know holy miracle moments and everything would just transform and I'd still be you know penniless and sick and (laughs) struggling and knew there was more baggage to clear and more baggage to clear so uh, I want to thank Michelle for being a gift for being so honest with her stories and her process because it gave me courage to continue. And on Tuesday night I did, uh, I called into uh, Susan's house and nobody wanted to do a worksheet. And I said, well, can I? Because of my background in stress diffusion and other psychology and stuff, that the other alternative work, I sort of had a feeling what the worksheet was going to go towards. And um, I said, can I do a worksheet? And we did a worksheet on... Uh, addressing the illness, and um, it took me about, I uh, her cell phone was running out of battery, so they were rushing at the end, and um, uh, I wasn't able to give her feedback of, oh, my God, I feel wonderful, but I was, afterwards, it took me about 10 minutes because I tend to process a little bit slower in, I integrate a little bit slower, rather. And um, about 10 minutes later, I was sitting here now. Understand, I was bedridden for the last three months. And all of a sudden, and I kept saying to people, I can't feel energy anymore. I can't feel spirit. I can't feel this stuff anymore. I'm, I'm, 
And uh, as I read your book, thank you. As I (laughs) as I read your book more again today, there were lines in there that you said to the uh, the collective Richard that you know I said recently, and I saw guidance that was getting me closer to this, and it was you know this is this isn't a life. This is this is uh an existence an apparent existence and um but i don't want to get off on that so anyway that's where i was and about 10 minutes or so after doing the worksheet and hanging up out of nowhere i suddenly felt joy for the first time in ages and felt positive energy mm. coursing through my mm. body and All right. felt the felt the room fill up with love, and sat here and giggled all by myself, just giggled and and felt you know felt a genuine smile, not one I was putting on trying to say, oh, aren't I the brave one going through illness and poverty and <laughs> of every form? <laughs> so um, I wanted to thank I I wanted to share Susan's endeavors with me she's such a gift and and to thank you from the bottom of my heart and thank everyone that helps put this show together because i'm not somebody that would ever usually call into a show or see a show but since you were talking thank you so much Um, i love you all i'm deeply grateful and um today's like day three and i'm actually you know i what i did is i uh took what she gave we did over the phone and Immediately start as as we were doing that sheet. I immediately said, "Well, I have to go to self doubt next." And I started making a list of sheets I wanted to do. So the book got here yesterday with some sheets in it because my computer was down. I couldn't print them out, and I printed out a ton of them and just started writing at the top of them different things and creating sheets so I could go from one to the next to the next and. The first day I did like yesterday, I did like five, and I started today with one. But I, regarding vocabulary, um, I, I, I'm a little confused with the sheets, and and I did get a copy of the revised chapter 24, but I'm having trouble matching the numbers and stuff. But that's neither here nor there because I know it's in the process, and um, you're trying to make it succinct for us for folks like us that don't want to go through a lot of pages. But the one uh, I I got a a negative charge off of the first night with Susan when it said that uh, 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 I chose to be triggered that night when it said, I invite uh, Ruka Dukusha, I'm probably saying it wrong, to incline me toward healing and my reaction, of course, was, "What do you mean, incline me towards healing? Isn't she, isn't she going to get me there?" You know. And then when I sat with it, it was like, "Of course, she can only incline me. I have to make the choice to keep going there, to go there." But to you, absolutely. You, okay, great. Because I since and then as I called in today, because I couldn't do yesterday, you're talking about words, so I thought I wasn't going to call in, and I and Susan had told me to definitely call in and I was like nah and when it was words I said well I'm definitely calling in and asking about inclined and to see if I've got this right you know if I'm understanding this and let me uh, rephrase that you're right I'd rather be right than happy right (laughs) 
<laughs> You're right on track. And, you know, when you recognize that what we have stored in our genes that creates the things we feel like doing and the inclinations we have, there are a thousand generations of who knows what in there that create that inclination. And since it's a mass, one of the major attributes of this unconscious mass is inertia. And if you remember inertia, definition from physics class in high school, a body moving in a particular direction at a particular rate of speed will tend to continue to move in that direction at that rate of speed until it's acted upon by an outside force. I go back when I talk about Ruka de Kutchen, you said that perfectly, I go back to physics and go, oh, so here I have a mass, my good old family feeling says I should be down in the mouth and in pain and trauma, and that's my inclination. Hmm. The outside force, which in this case is really the inside force as well, Ruka de Kutcha, I, I can take advantage of and, and, and ask for support in moving that mass in a different direction. And this feminine elemental force that Yeshu identified as Ruka de Kutsha will work with and for me if I ask for it. Otherwise, she cannot interfere. Whatever choices we've made, whatever direction we're going, it's free will. We're not going to get a shift until we start to make different choices. And then even when we make different choices, the ability to move that mass is is quite a challenge. And so the thing that brought that piece, that had me put that piece in particular in the, the puzzle, is that I had found when my non-being mind was going in a direction, oh, I don't want to do anything, I don't want to get up, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, I found that if I could just say, Ruka, would you incline me toward this all of a sudden? my mind would be going, oh, let's do this. Oh, cool. And and I really got the impact of that internal yet external force that will assist us. So that's where that comes from, and and it, it's in order to help to move the mass. Wonderful, beautiful. Thank you. May I ask another question? Please. That's what we're here Thank for. Thank you. We love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I was wondering uh, what... What your edified opinion is of empaths? I um, have always been considered an empath healer, healing facilitator, you know, all that stuff. Um, but of course, I'm one of those that's, uh, you know, a sickly shaman, which is not giving teaching the right thing at all. And um, I was wondering about empathing people's. Uh, Illnesses, emotions, thoughts, feelings, and um, it, it, how that impacts us as well and uh, affects our healing process, my choice to heal as well. Right. Well, I, I tell a little story in the Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop about this little old lady who loves movies. And she goes to the movies, and, you know, it's it's a new film coming out, and she leaves early so she gets can get her favorite seat in the theater and there's a huge traffic snarl up. And she ends up getting there late and gets the last seat at the back of the theater. And she's really in her frustration. 
you know, she can hardly see, she can hardly hear this couple in front of her, the girl in this couple is just laughing hysterically throughout the whole film. And, and, you know, finally in her frustration, she jabs this girl in front of her on the shoulder. She says, young lady, are you feeling hysterical? And, and the girl's kind of shocked and isn't sure what to say from her. And she finally turns around and says, well, well, he was feeling mine first. <laughs> you can't feel anybody else's. So the empath tells themselves a story. Ah, I'm feeling their disease. I'm suffering from their pain. And that's all a total, complete, absolute fraud. Their pain, if it matches my pain, will resonate my pain. But pain I will feel will only be my own. I will not feel theirs. Certainly their energy of a similar frequency to the pain I hold can activate and resonate my pain. But if I live in denial, I'll pretend that I'm feeling their pain and their disease. And so to the empath, I say, undo your denial, own what it is you're feeling because you can't feel anybody else's. When someone holds a similar frequency and that similar thing is in you and denied, then out of hiding, that similar thing will take over and people develop the belief system that they're feeling something that belongs to someone else. But it's just not possible. So that would be my take. And so... For the empath, I say, stop your denial, own it. Yes, you accurately identified what Charlie was feeling. Why? Because you have the same thing. Now, there are two sides or two places you can experience your energy around Charlie. And one is, I recognize it because I have the same energy in me. If I've worked through it, then I'll simply be there as a space of love and support for Charlie to work through it. If I haven't, then I'm going to be disturbed. And my disturbance as the person who's facilitating is going to be my opportunity to do my work and do another level of what I need to do. But strictly speaking, you can't feel anybody else's. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. Cool. Makes Yeah, it makes total sense. And that's what I... I finally had been coming to, and I thank you for that reinforcement and that wonderful explanation. I'm truly oh, grateful. Yeah. I'm, I'm so appreciative of my background in physics and how it ties in with this whole thing. It's just uh, it's most amazing. And, and that that's a principle that unless you come to the physics of it, you can't understand. It just doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling somebody else's. Because if this were mine, I'd know it. No, if you're in denial, you don't know that what you're feeling is yours. It's your mind can make up a whole picture story about how, look at this picture, it's theirs. But the truth is, I can only feel it if it's moving in my physiology. And if it's moving in my physiology, guess who it belongs to? Me. Me. Next layer, next worksheet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so so and, I'm and... delighted to, to be able to be here to support you and uh, and hear the energy shift that's happened for you. And I certainly join you in your acknowledgement of what Susan's doing. Susan has just taken the bull by the horns. You know, there are many people over many years that have taken this work and uh, and talked about how they're going to teach it and what they're going to do with it and they go home and they do you know whatever they do with their lives and they're stuck i think in the inertia and never really step out and do it and susan took it you know she's actually just started her uh her fourth laws of living class and she's got nine or ten people in it and it's really awesome and susan if you're out there we appreciate what you're doing and how you're impacting your community and taking the work 
further and further afield. And we invite anybody who's ready to follow Susan's footsteps to jump in and and get on board and get it happening. There are a lot of people out there who who just need the simple touch that you got from Susan, Patricia, to -hmm. make them, to open the space for them to move to the next level. So it's fabulous to be part of it. Yes, it's my it's my honor. And um in the cor- in the course of miracles it says uh repeatedly that we are all one and no one heals it alone. Exactly. So can you can you speak to that too in 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 reference to us owning our own stuff and going through it uh and clearing it and clearing it and clearing it and clearing it uh so that we can expose love but can you speak to that from the physics standpoint sure. or yeah. thanks. Once again I go back to I go back to Einstein. If you listen to Einstein he says if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity you're living in an optical delusion. <laughs> Einstein says that you know that the fact that our eye shows me that you're over there and I'm over here therefore we must be separate is an optical delusion. The truth mm-hmm. is if I if I change the rate at which my eye perceives, I'd see the energy that links us together. We are cells in one body, individuated but not separated. You know, you have what we call a body with trillions of cells in it. You know, the eye cell is quite different from the liver cells, quite different from a bowel cell, quite different from a blood cell, yet they're all part of one body. In the ancient teachings, That body was called the mystical body of Christ. Mystical because people didn't quite understand it. So we are part of one energy system, and what happens in one part of the system, abuse, trauma, and drama, spreads an energy throughout the whole system. What happens in one part of the system, healing, presencing love for the trauma that is held, and dissolving or transmuting that trauma, brings healing in this individual that I am, and opens an energy window for anyone else who has a similar uh, trauma to also walk through and heal it, to bring it out the other side. There's a, a really sweet parable in the scriptures about the uh, the guy who gets hired to go work on the farm, and he goes in at 8 o'clock in the morning and toils all day through the hot sun. And there's somebody else who comes in at you know 11 o'clock in the morning and and works through till five, and there's somebody else that comes in at three in the afternoon and works until five, and when the paymaster comes, he gives everybody the same pay. And the person who went in at eight in the morning says, well, you know, what am I, chopped liver? What, why do, does he get the same thing as I? And the uh, farm owner says, did I not pay you what I agreed to? I gave you what I promised. Isn't it my business if I give the same to someone else if I choose to be abundant and generous? Where is your abundance and generosity? And, you know, each it, it, it is. When you start cracking away at some major issues, it can be really tough work. And the tough work that you do, I benefit from. The tough work that I do, you benefit from. And, you know, we're, we've been tricked by this thing of separation, but the truth is, we're opening the space for every cell in our body to heal as we individually and collectively break through something. And Jeannie has something to share with us. But it's still up to each individual whether they step through. Yes, and, and Jeannie's offering the thought, and it's still up to each individual whether they step through. Yes, you can't force somebody else to heal an issue, but 
when you open the energy window, it makes it a little easier for them to walk through the door. They still have to do it, but easier and easier and easier until, you know, enough people walk through a particular door and everybody else pretty much gets pushed. You know, Yeshua talks about, I've opened a door. He was talking about an energy door. I've opened a door wide and nobody can close it. He opened a new way of understanding the world and the healing process. And that's a door that the non-being mind, the mind based in hostility or fear, for centuries has practiced closing, shutting down, and making it inaccessible and locking people out. Because the people who are locked out are the murderers and the thieves, the people who will obey the king when the king says, go kill somebody and steal their property for me. They'll go, yes, sir, we'll do it. The person who's passed through that door says, excuse me, Mr. King, you want me to do what? You want me to go kill another cell in my body and take their property so you can have it? Are you crazy? (laughs) Kings are crazy. They're crazy. I don't care whether it's King Obama or King Georgie I or King Georgie II or whoever it is. You know, it's time for us to just wake up and function as human beings. And, of course, the first question that Jeannie asks in the Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop is how many have ever held a newborn child? And give us give us your description of the essence of the newborn. And globally, everybody's answer is some variation on the theme of love. Why? Because it's the stuff we're all made of. And ultimately, to arrive home, that's where we need to go back to. And there are seven and a half billion of us, and we're all going to go through the gate, the final gate at once. So can you, thank you for that, both of you, um, can you take that further addressing at the beginning, uh, which I believe I understood, that, uh, you said that we, we you know, it's like in a 12-step program, you can't be a recovering alcoholic and go to bars every night and think, think you're going to pull it off. And um, Right. The you said you have to change your environments and the language and the people of the language and thing. Where I have a really hard time is I I know I got to change all my stuff and my reactions to abusive people in my life are my reactions. But then I get caught in. But if I were really living the presence of love, I'd be able to rise above all their abuse and be with them without getting any triggers and yada 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 and i do you have a second to I, well i'm sorry to monopolize no, this but i feel no, like i called into a gold mine and <laughs> no you're doing you're doing exactly what we're here for we're delighted to have you asking the questions because that's what opens the space and okay. and the thing is yes in the ideal situation if i've completed all my work I could go into Satan's den and be very comfortable and teach forgiveness. And, in fact, I plan to do that one day Uh, and teach forgiveness to Satan. But if I'm trying to storm the gates and pretend I'm somewhere that I am not, well, you know, I've been doing this work for six months. I should be able to handle anything. Liar, liar, pants on fire. No, you shouldn't. It takes years to move through these energetic patterns. And... You know, to to learn to decode and access that genetic history that's based in rage and guilt and grief and fear, what you can't access, just put yourself in the right environment and it will come up for you. And we do get people who, when they really get doing their work and rolling along, will 
say, well, you know, I just don't have any triggers. They'll go out looking for somebody to trigger them. And, yeah, when you've completed the major part of your work, you'll be able to stand in front of anything. But be honest with yourself as to where you are and put yourself in environments that support you living in being and doing your work rather than I'm going to run out and, uh, you know, jump into the worst environment I can and see how well I do. Not the wisest thing to do, especially in the early phases of one's work. And my take is, my observation over almost 50 years of doing this with people, is that it takes, in order to get beyond the surface mind, you know, people can fairly quickly make changes in the surface mind, and and their lives will be different. But to really go to depth, you know, we'll get lots of people who will come and do a workshop and it's like, oh, man, I got this all figured out, man, I got it handled. It's like, good luck. To really go to depth, my observation is it takes the average person five to ten years of serious work to really go in and start to change that massive unconscious database called the generations. So, Michael? Go for it, Tim. So when you say, you know, the early phases of my work, you mean uh, the first 40 years? Yes, thank you. Yeah, the early phases. (laughs) Exactly, yes. That's it exactly. And, and, and you and I, Tim, know of a, a particular situation where one gentleman who'd done some of the work, actually a gentleman that introduced him to the work, and at one point he's like, well, Michael Rice has been doing this work for 45 years, and he's not finished yet. Well, why would I bother? That's, guy, that's a crazy guy to get involved with. It's like, well, when you realize the depth, when you realize what we're dealing with, you know, uh, we, we have, and I don't, have my uh, the number right in front of me. I do actually keep it in my phone, but in just 30 generations of your bloodline, my bloodline, there are about 1.7 billion people. Do the math. Two wow. generations, then there are four people, then there are eight people, then there are 16, then there are 32, 64, 128. You're at 128 after six generations. Get to 30 and you're at 1.7 billion. Now, remembering that you know, when they first started doing genetic research, they said, you know, 90% of your DNA is junk DNA. It doesn't mean anything is just junk. I think their numbers now, kind of officially, they're talking about 60% being junk. My offering is there is not one-tenth of 1% of your DNA that's junk. It is the most sophisticated, most powerful recording device, hard drive ever, Every thought, every feeling, every reality from every generation of your bloodline is there. And it is a huge inertia-bound mass, and it takes time to change its direction. Well, that makes me feel better. (laughs) There you go. There's work to do. And and I would be absolutely delighted to carry on with the conversation. And tomorrow at noon, we'll be starting the show again, but we're down to the last few seconds, so I'm going to need to close the show up. But it's been a delight to talk with you and, and a delight to hear that energy shift that's happened and the, that you were able to reach out for support and that you reached out to us. It's just fabulous. And in the meantime, we'll invite everybody, if this show has been meaningful to you, it'll be up on the archives, share it with somebody. Copy the MP3, attach it to an email, and send it to somebody. If it's been particularly meaningful, you might listen to it two, three, four, ten times to go to depth with what's been said. 
If you're ready to do your work on the next level, uh, Jeannie and I will be doing a 16-day codependence to interdependence communication practice. Actually, we'll do a nine-day, and that nine-day will turn into a 16-day for people who want to extend it out to that. And then we'll be doing a 16-day laws of living in Orlando the month of uh, February. February 1st, we'll start the codependence, and February 17th, we'll start it for February 18th, we'll start the laws of living. So if you want to take your work to the next level, if you're ready to do what Susan's doing and teach laws of living, come and join us, get ready to take it, and share it in your community. Blessings, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyag. A-I-N.com Evolving continuously